You're listening to the Asotukan Sessions by Effective, recorded live in Philly. All right, I'm sitting down now with my pal Brian Clemens from Burns Hyundai out of the Asotukan Sessions, powered by Effective. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, man. Uh, glad to be here. All right, so a lot of hype. We were walking down from the VIP lounge, and <laughs> Danielle's saying, t- uh, tell them why you're here. So I said, don't spoil it. Why are you here? Uh, well, I've been listening to folks like, uh, you, know, you know, Paul, Kyle, yourself. Um, I'm very new to the automotive industry when you look at it uh, as a career. I've only been doing this about three, three and a half years. Um, kind of risen through the ranks. I'm always looking for the next opportunity. But what I was finding was it's hard to find like-minded people of the old school versus new school mentality, if you will, uh, in terms of how business is conducted, how you're training, uh, people empowerment. Uh, and there's a lot of folks that you guys have had on your, on your podcast and, and YouTube videos um, that seem to be like-minded people. And uh, that was one of the reasons I came out. Luckily, this was in my backyard uh, where I work is only in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It's, you know, 30 minutes away. Right. Uh, but honestly, I think if this had been in Buffalo or Cincinnati or Louisville or Texas, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to know that, you know, for someone who doesn't have 20 years experience, like, hey, there's other people out there who have similar thought patterns to you. You're not crazy. You're not, you're not, you know, you got your GM sometimes telling you, you know, I've been around for 35 years and that's just not how we right. do business here. Right. And being like, well, actually, you know, there's more than one ways to get to the, to the store. You know, maybe it's a left at that light or a straight or right here. But, um, you know, it's nice to know that there's some validation and people are having success, um, not just in business, but putting the people first and knowing that the business will be successful because of the people. It's funny you say that. I remember as a teenager... My buddy said, here's the challenge. We'd both got our licenses, so we're new drivers. He's like, we have to make it to your house from my house only taking right turns. (laughs) It took a really long time, but we made it. We actually made it, and that's what you made me think of. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about, so you said uh, just a minute ago you're new to the business. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? New new as in? uh, New as in, like, uh, so... My father had a, a, a car detailing business when we were growing up. So one right. of the first exposures I had, uh, 13, 14 years old, obviously getting paid under the books, helping your dad out. We're doing service washes. We're power washing a lot. And I'm the youngest of seven brothers and sisters. So he had a good workforce there for a while. Um, and, you know, a lot of them, you know, obviously gravitated towards what was right in front of them, uh, whether it was a, a service mechanic, technician. Uh, uh, you know, my sister's a controller of, of a smaller auto group. Um, my was one of the you know top-selling uh, salesmen year over year at where he works. Um, I joined the Navy. That's what I did. That, you were like, I ain't going. Yeah. It, what I just, can I do to not do this deal? I, I knew I needed something <laughs> you know different. You know the, the right. You know I think I think I was very smart knowing that if I went to college, my discipline level at that point wasn't going to make it. Right. And uh, maybe I was a little afraid of my dad in terms of like I'm not paying for that if you're not going to follow through on it. You know. I'm uh, afraid of my dad, so I'm gonna. Join the Navy. Yeah, which, to be fair, he was in the Army. So it was okay. also, you know, like, okay. you know, I, I was making him happy in some regards as right, well. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I knew I had to do something a little bit different. You know, I was very, very blessed to have amazing leadership throughout that time. And I think being, I was on a submarine, uh, being in a community that's Whoa. a lot smaller, mm-hmm. um, also allowed some of that leadership to be there where there's a lot of thoughts about, um, you know, uh, how to treat people, how to grow people, how to develop people. And most of the military does have it, but it's not as command and control as you would think, which ironically is what I see at a lot of, you know, 
dealerships and I hear about where it's a lot more command and control versus uh, you know people empowerment and and collaboration and you know idea generation and you know I heard a great great uh, uh, comment in one of the talks this morning about there's a dealership out there that has everybody from the lot attendant to the general manager in like a, in like a meeting mm-hmm. to where they're all having these ideas about their different pressure points and how they all fit together. And that's something that we would have done in the military in terms of like, we had a daily meeting of like, how are we gonna deconflict work? What if the hydraulics go down? How, how do I do this electronically if this is gonna be on? And that was a daily meeting. And to me, it makes sense, right? right? Because I was born in that environment, but then you take it out to an industry like this and it's like a, it's like a, 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 a hot new idea. It's like, oh, wow. Everybody in all levels of the industry to, to be able to, or, or, or the business to be able to deconflict work to make it more efficient. That sounds like a great idea. And to me, that's why I came to a SotoCon because all these common sense ideas were out there by these people on, on the podcast. And I'm like, I want to talk to these people. I want to connect with these people. I want to, I want to meet them and say, Hey, I'm over here too, doing that same stuff. And I'm trying to, you know, change what I can, uh, where I am. Yeah. I love that. Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, second of all, thank you also for your service. Oh, we thanks, man. Really appreciate you know doing that, and it, and it speaks volumes, you know, just to a servant's heart. Yeah. You know that that at some place, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by by you and individuals that choose to give of themselves in that service. Um, you know, I, I, sometimes I can't wrap my head around it. So definitely a heartfelt uh, appreciation for that. Um, but you're right. This this concept of I'm intrigued by this concept of reactive kind of action versus being proactive mm-hmm. and that a lot you know I, I come back to a, a phrase of preparation eliminates fear mm-hmm. and so as I was listening to you talk that's the the word track that kept coming back to me you know if we can anticipate and prepare mm-hmm. to your point the, the dealership's going to look a lot different. The yeah. business is going to, not just dealership, any business is going to look, look a lot different. So from your vantage point, working inside of your store, in your sphere of influence, what should the first thing be that we focus on? What do we need to be doing in order to kind of create that preparation culture? Well, I mean, number one, everybody is experiencing the same things in terms of what pressure points we have right now with lack of inventory, uh, interest rates where they may go. Right. And it, it's all interesting, but to me, I, I've seen it from just pre-COVID, because again, I haven't done this very long, and obviously during COVID, and then now po- kind of the post-COVID era. And honestly, all the objections are there that a customer may or may not have, but they're just different, different phrasing. Um, meaning like, it doesn't matter in terms of what cars I have on the lot, is there a market adjustment? What's the person's credit? That doesn't matter. Right. If I know that I have someone coming in, let's say at a Hyundai Tucson, why don't I not have a Hyundai Tucson out in front of the dealership ready for that customer to see, knowing that they're probably going to want to look at that? Uh, the same questions you're going to ask when a customer comes in, what drew you to that vehicle? Uh, what, you know, what are you driving currently? You know, that kind of preparation that, that, like you said, eliminates the fear because eventually these practice responses, you know, you're going to hear the same thing. Right. I need fuel efficiency. I need safety. I need reliability. I need comfort, right? None of those things have to do with our, our inventory levels or interest rates or anything else. You're just, mm-hmm. you know, helping the consumer 
you know, move from one direction to the other. You're a facilitator of change, if mm. that makes sense. Yep. Uh, you know, I recently purchased a home. I had an amazing realtor. Part of why he was so amazing was because this is a, a stressful process that takes a long time, and he was there to help facilitate the change throughout the process with his follow-up, with his questions, uh, w- you know, with getting the right people when he didn't know the answer, who were experts about those things. Um, but luckily in the car industry, all of these things are things that we can practice about having the product knowledge, knowing the right questions to answer, anticipating the customer's needs because you've had them say the same things to you probably 12 to 14 times in a given week of, of interacting with them because most people right now, what is it? It's gas prices. They want something fuel efficient. They want a hybrid. They want a plug-in hybrid. But sometimes they're driving a car that might only be getting 17 miles per gallon. What is really fuel efficient mean to them? That's important. Like that's what separates really good sales folks from people who just take take orders, you know, at right. a restaurant. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even though people at the restaurant will upsell you when you're trying to get a dessert, right. they'll be like, "Hey, <laughs> you know." Yeah. So that talent's out there too. How do you admit it? So the the other thing that comes to my mind is in order to do this effectively you have to be willing to address problems. Mm-hmm. Like you said, kind of this removal of friction or this, the, the removal of roadblocks or whatever it might be, you have to be willing to admit that there are problems in place. And the challenge that I see, our human nature kind of wants us to shy away from that because it feels too negative. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that to say, hey, no, like we are going to address problems and we are going to call them out, but we're, gonna, we're also going to maintain a balanced psyche, if you will, where everyone's not just discouraged all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I think what's key is is understanding what the customer needs and then understanding what we, well, when I was a recruiter in the Navy, we call it the need behind the need. Um, people can ask for certain things and, and they saw it online. It was what their neighbor had told them, um, you know, but effectively when you actually understand why they want that thing, Sometimes you do have a product right then and there in order to help solve it. But the other thing is that a lot of culture now is built on an instant gratification. If if I don't sell you a product today, I will never see you again. And, you know, to be fair, statistically, that may be true in in our industry. But if you approach it with an attitude of if I'm doing my best to help, knowing that this customer will walk out and go to six different places that have the same issues that I do with not having the right product for them at that given moment. Mm -hmm. If I just treat them with the right level of respect and transparency of, hey, I I know this might be spinning our wheels for an hour, but I'd rather sit down, educate you, tell you the best I can offer, tell you the best time frame I can offer it, and hope that I can earn your business, or at the very least, maybe give such a great customer experience, even though you do buy the car down the street, maybe you still say, hey, they just happen to have it, but gosh, you should really start off at this place over here. Because they, that's the unknown. You can't measure that. You know, not everyone's beating down the door and saying, I'm only coming here because I didn't buy a car here and I referred my friend. Right. We'd like to hear that. But all of those things, again, I think that adds up to a better customer experience. And realistically, that's what's going to make the gross volume and the sales volume and the, and the dealership's going to grow anyway by almost detaching yourself from the immediate results and really just caring about the customer right. and what you have to offer them. Yeah. And sometimes it's just an educational conversation. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, then the people in the business are going to be happier because they're fulfilling on real tangible expectations, knowing how to do it like clockwork. Speaking of preparation, you know, all of, 
all of this planning we put into a SoduCon, and we didn't think open doors, maybe a fly will. Are you seeing that fly rolling around? There's a fly rolling around. Uh, I promise it's not because Brian and I smell bad. It's just legit. It, it is so into the conversation that it has to hang around. Um, talk to me a little bit about the, the Navy. So submarines, is that? Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they offered me a couple different jobs, and they said submarines paid more. So I said, sounds good to me. <laughs> sounds good to me. So, How, wh- Did you ever have moments of extended periods of time on, on the, the vessel where you were like, and definitely still underwater and in a metal tube? Like, how do you deal with that? Um, I always liked to read as a kid, uh-huh. but is because I always was a troublemaker, which I ironically is SodaCon. Yep. So I was often put in my room to read because that was like the way of, of like, hey, we, we don't want to punish you per se. We want right. you to do something productive with your time. Um, the isolation never bothered me, but like so much goes on in the operation of something like that at any given moment. Um, it's not as boring as you think, but it's, it's not as super stressful because we're very prepared. Um, uh, we literally would practice every kind of drill imaginable over and over and over and over again um, to where it becomes a muscle memory because unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you look at it you know there's a casualty on board a fire a flooding uh, there is no time to think it needs to be handled immediately because right. there's no fire department to call right, right. Um, you have to know everything inside and outside that submarine you know we could sit here and talk about if I take a drop of seawater, how do I make that into a breathable air for me on the submarine? Like that is something that they do through a process, you know, using all the equipment on the submarine. You have to know all of that because God forbid the worst case scenario happens. I need someone who knows how to do my job and I know someone has to do their job to, to, to a bare minimum level. But theoretically, could I have with the guidance of some other people started up the nuclear reactor well, at a certain point, yeah, everybody's got to do that. My job's communications, so that guy who could start the nuclear reactor has got to know my job too, you know? And I always and learned that never, cross-training. There's never this like, well, that's not my job, so Brian should be the one to do that. That's his job. I mean, there's always human nature of pushback <laughs> of, of who wants to become uh, an expert at something and who wants to kind of be a jack-of-all-trades. Right. But no, literally there is a, a, a warfare pin that you must earn by learning all of this knowledge. This is a job requirement. It's understood that, unless extreme emergency, that it's not really going to come up. But a lot of people take pride in the knowledge that they got and still continue to have three, four, five, six years after they got it because of what it meant to get that, that warfare pen. Like anything else, anything worth having is, is very difficult. Mm. You know what I mean? And the easier it is, probably the less it's worth having. And to earn this warfare pen, it takes six to nine to 12 months to get the knowledge, go through the requisite exams and boards and everything else to get this thing, it's it's a really it's a badge of honor that you really wear in a uniform that you had to earn. Um, you know, similar to things that winning an awards for being a top dealer or a top salesman or anything right. else. It's right. a lot of work. I love it. Moving from military into dealership, um, I, I'm sure you had lots of ideas on how things should go. What was maybe the biggest eye opener? kind of taking some of that culture from military and injecting it into the store. Was there an adjustment period? Can you get away with, you know, discipline on the same level or do you have to make some adjustments in the business world? I think, um, I mean, the adjustment really comes down to the urgency. I think that was the hardest thing 
in terms of the really only negative I think that I took from the what I did in the military was the sense of urgency and accomplishing tasks or completing the mission, if you will, right. isn't the same. You know what I mean? You have time to, to right. do things. Right. Um, you know, a customer waiting because finance is backed up or a customer coming back two days later because they got a check engine light on a car they just bought. Things like that happen. Um, how I would respond to the military to something like that, the ur- level of urgency, the intensity level that, that automatically gets trained into you might be a little bit different. But generally, most of, the, most of the stuff was very positive in terms of having the discipline to do the things that most people don't like to do. Like, for example, following up with customers. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's, no, nobody likes doing that. It, 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 making cold calls. You know, think, things that really separate you from the average person that really are our jobs. Like, that's just standard thing that we're supposed to do. But we all know that everybody likes to hang around and get some coffee and, sure. you know, and, you know, it, that's okay too. We're there for eight to 10 hours a day, but the, the discipline aspect of the military really helped to say, okay, I can still be task focused. I can still complete my tasks. Right. I can still be very efficient because I can want to change processes and systems to be efficient. But I think the only real downside was really the, the urgency level I had to dial back a little bit because look... Finance being backed up isn't the same thing as a fire in a submarine. So. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Man, so much fun. Brian Clemens, thanks so much for joining me on a Sodukon Sessions on behalf of Effective TV. Thank you for listening to this Asotukan session by Effective. If you want more content like this, you can check out our other podcasts. We have a daily show called The Automotive Troublemaker, Monday through Friday, here on podcasts, also live streamed on YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook. We also have a long form podcast called Auto Collabs. Auto Collabs. And if you just want to go a little deeper into this community, you should sign up for our regular email. We put our heart and soul into it. You can get it for free by going to asotu.com. We'll see you next time.